0: Megan Barker, welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. We are sitting down with some of our favorite music creators and industry leaders. We're gonna find out how they got where they are and get some valuable insights into the music world. You can watch the interviews online or tune into the podcast. So just check out jamminandjammies.com for all the details. Today, we're sitting down with my friend, Butch Baker. Butch has worn many hats during his reign in Nashville from major label recording artist to A&R to publisher. I have so many questions, so let's dive in and welcome him. Butch, how you doing?
1: Hey buddy, how are you? Good to
0: see you. I'm so happy that we are sitting down. You have the most interesting journey and I can't wait to hear how it all started. Do you want to just start at the beginning? Where are you from and how'd you get into music?
1: Well, I'm a Methodist pas- uh, pastor's son, uh, started singing in church. Uh, they say the first, uh, solo was about 19 months old <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, they, I wouldn't have believed it, but they had it recorded. And, uh, Then I, I, you know, we lived all over the place, Um, sang in church, sang in choirs, did theater. And uh, and then uh, I went to Tennessee Military Institute in Sweetwater, Tennessee. Uh, Then from that point, went to UTC and then on to Knoxville, University of Tennessee. And at that point, got the bug to come to Nashville, came to Nashville, uh, stayed a summer, went back to school, did another quarter and came back. I just couldn't stay away from Nashville, and I loved it. And so I did, I did you know, the usual thing, slept in my car and, oh. and uh, you know, just trying to, to get from point A to point B so, so close to Larry Gatlin and Tony Brown and germ, germ the heck out of those guys trying to figure out anything about the music business. Went and got a house job playing uh, with the Nashville Cats out at uh, the Nashville Palace back in the day, and that was actually my first, first gig. Wow. And then got a writing deal with Acuff Rose, um, the great Wesley Rose signed me, who's in the Hall of Fame, uh, to a publishing deal, and then he also got me my first record deal on Mercury, and um, and then from there there were there were three other record deals and uh, majors and and then publishing career started and here we go.
0: Wow. You've mastered encompassing such a a huge career in like a 30 second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, 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 we could be here all day. So uh, there's a lot that happened in between, as you can imagine. Um, And a lot of just uh, God given blessings in between and a lot of and and a lot of luck. I would say luck. But, you know, that's that's how it goes sometimes. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a great run so far and and uh, not done yet.
0: Not done yet. No, sir. Well, I, I I know you're doing some exciting things right now, but I just want to stay at the beginning for a second. So you first got to Nashville. How long did it take you to get um, get, a, get a deal of any kind?
1: Well, I was actually playing a club called uh, Blazing Saddles during urban cowboy time and a guy from Acrof Rose, David Castle. And what was really crazy is my granddad knew somebody from acre Rose, he knew one guy that was from our hometown. I didn't know that he'd already retired, but this guy had no clue about me. Walked into the club one night, sent me a message up, said, do you, do you play anything original? We knew two original songs that I'd written and we played them both. And I was in his office on Monday and then signed to a publishing deal, like within about a week or two to AF Rose. And then Mr. Rose took a really, uh, an interest in my career within about the first um I'd say you know six to eight months and I started spending a lot of time with him and then he walked me into Frank Jones office uh true story Frank Jones had never heard me sing a note he signed me on 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 the, the word and the weight of, of Wesley Rose and that wow. got my first uh first recording deal with Mercury that way
0: wow well take us into the, your first record deal then I mean what did all of that entail what was that whole journey like
1: <laughs> well, it was great because the, the first single was a was a duet with Lou Harris, if you can imagine, uh, on a song called called Torture. And then single after single after single, uh, it was kind of more or less a singles deal. And then Harold Shedd came to the label uh, who produced, you know, Alabama and and Harold wanted me to do an album. So I did an album um, and it was it was just it was great, uh, you know, and to this day, it's the only album I ever had out. It's an album called We Will. Really, really, really fun to make. Um, so that's, that's about how I got started, but I had, had some pretty good success. I think the highest single I ever got to was like about 14.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And there were, there were a few record deals you said, so um, yeah. what, do you, what do you take away from, from all that, being an artist during that time?
1: Well, uh, you know, I think one thing that happened there um, that might not happen today, I, I, I'm not sure how, about this, but, I mean, when you're signed to four major rec- record deals, that used to be, it, it happened back then. I mean, if you look at Vince's career, he was signed to, to a couple different labels, Rodney Crow, Reba, and, and the list goes on and on. You know, um, today, if you're signed to a, to a major record deal and, it, and, and you, you move on, you know, you may get signed, you may not get signed. It's it's a little tougher, but I think I think I I can't I don't really know why, but I think back then it was a little more forgiving, and, and artists were probably not as exposed yeah. as they are today, also because of, of the internet. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, you know, it just crazy times. So from from Mercury, went to Arista with Tim Dubois, mm-hmm. um, and then went to Sony. With Paul Worley, and then more more or less kind of hung it up. I I wanted to spend my time in, in, at home, and then uh, wound up going to Warner Brothers, and uh, with um, with Jim Ed over there, Jim Ed Norman, who's still amazing friend of mine, and um, you know who's out doing the string arrangements with the with the Eagles now. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, no, I can't. So Vince is Vince is playing with the Eagles, and uh, and, and Jim Ed's doing the strings. And I said to Vince, I said, you know, it's just a little known name band named the Eagles. He goes, yeah, it ain't a bad set list. <laughs> so, and That's I a guess great, not-
0: great sense of humor.
1: Oh, gosh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you've made such an impression on this town as an artist, and and you did kind of move toward the industry side of things. But before we talk about that and how that all happened, uh, do you remember the artist or band that made you, or the song that made you fall in love with music?
1: Wow. That's uh, the artist or band that made me fall in love with music. Oh, man. You know, that's that's a tough question, because a lot of my early influence was probably more or less in pop music. You know, I used, I used to go see uh, James Taylor once a year, whether I needed to or not, just yeah. to remind me why I was in, into music. Yeah. I took my son. That was his first concert when he, when he was about three or four years old. He called him James Tater, it's, it's, you know he because he could I guess couldn't say Taylor.
0: That's the best stage name I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, James Tater.
0: James uh,
1: But I was, I, you know, I was all over the board as far as influence. I loved Ray Charles. I got to play four shows with Ray Charles later on in my life. Um, you know, I, I was a huge Little River Band fan, Susan Croft, um, and I, Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but I, early on, it was Nat, early on, it was probably Nat King Cole. And like I say, I'm, and I'm a huge Nat King Cole, Tony Bennett fan. Um, so I'm, I'm a little all over the, all over the road, um, because all kinds of musical influences, I, I can't really say the song, but I can tell you my favorite country song of all time is the way I am by Merle Haggard. Yeah. Um, and, uh, that was written by my friend and buddy, uh, Sonny Throckmorton. And, uh, so, and I, at, at, at last time I went to see son, he knew I was there and he called me up and I got to sing my favorite song with him on stage. So that, that was another, uh, okay, check, check that off the list. Got to do that.
0: Yeah. Have Have you done everything on your bucket list? No, no. Okay. Well, we'll no. get it. We'll get no, it. I
1: don't, I, I don't think you know, I, and I don't know how that'll ever, how that'll ever end. Um, I, you know, I think as long as I love music and like you do, I think you and I are probably feel the same. We're lifers. Yeah. You know, we're going to be lifers. Your dad, thank, thank the good Lord was a great friend of mine and I loved him so much. And, and, uh, those were back in the Tom Collins days over there. And, uh, And you're a chip off the old block, you know, with him. So, um, so I I wouldn't take anything for that. I, I I mean, I've got, so I'm I'm so rich because of so many friends and so many opportunities that I've gotten to go play with. And, you know, I I was talking to Easton Corbin day before yesterday and he said, I'm playing Knoxville uh, tonight, uh, as you and I are talking and, uh, he played in the Civic Center. I remember playing in the Civic Center with Con Hunley and with Russell's Heart. So, on two different occasions. So, you know, it, somebody says something and it wakes up another memory about your life in some place, something you did. So, uh, but I, we could be here for a long time, Megan, trying <laughs> to talk about it all.
0: Okay. Well, I hope you're writing a book. We'll leave it at that. I hope you're writing a book or, or something because I'd love to hear all the stories.
1: That's what Bart Herbison says. Every time, every time I'm with Bart, he goes, you've got to write this stuff down. You know, you've got and he knows some of my stories. He will tell the story, tell the story about this or tell the story about yeah. about that.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, so maybe someday I'll be able to do that.
0: OK, well, you guys heard it here first. Hopefully we'll get a book. <laughs> um, now, let's start to talk about the transition into the business side. How did that happen? And when you started out, is that something that you thought would happen eventually? Or did you kind of fall into it?
1: Well, you know, from starting out in, in, as a writer with ACOF Froze, I was loved hanging out with writers. I mean, I would think about it. I was hanging out with ACOF Rose with Whitey Schaefer and Dallas Frazier yeah. and my, yeah. really, my really good friend, Mickey Newberry. And I mean, who get who gets to say that? Who who you know? Mark Sanders at that time was just a young writer with me and Skip Ewing over there. So that's that's when we started out. It was really 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 amazing times. We had our own studio there, so if we wanted to cut something, we went down and recorded it. Mr. Rose walked down the hallway, or you could be in there recording, and and you know, like somebody like Billy Swan or Christofferson. Or, I mean, the list goes Floyd Kramer or somebody would drop in or Minnesota Fats would drop in and hang out in the studio with you. And we'd go up and play pool and play ping pong. And so it it was a really, really unique time. You know, first time I can remember the first time I ever met Frances Preston there. Uh, Mr. Rose wanted me to meet her and sit next to her at lunch. And uh, and then we were friends and her son, David, and I are friends to this day. So, you know, you when when you started in 1979 and you're lucky enough to still be here, um, you've known some folks.
0: Yeah. Well, take us into what your jobs have been. You've done a little bit of everything now on the business side. <laughs> so how did that all come to be?
1: Yeah, well, uh, after starting out as a writer, then as a recording artist, I guess probably what happened was uh, having uh, – uh, my son Bo, uh, I started thinking about how I, how I needed to get off the road. I'd heard all the stories about kids not knowing their parents and things like that. So um, I started trying to figure out what I would do. So I I started singing a ton of demos, and I used to be a demo singer all over town I some you know thousands of songs, and that was also a great training ground to be a publisher, because when you have to listen to you know. Good songs, not so good songs, great songs, and you're singing them and you're trying to do make do the best you can and I've always said i can I could possibly make a c song a b song with the vocal and the and and the track, but i can't make uh I can't make a b song an a song yeah. a song was an a song the day it was the day it was written yeah so um and I got to sing oh so many back in the day, you know. Ozark Mountains, Jubilee believe came number one on the Oak Ridge Boys. Shame, John Conley. Um, gosh, um, uh, I'm trying to uh, bet your heart on me. He was number one on Johnny Lee. My buddy Jim McBride wrote. Um, so that that's starting back there with Foster and and, uh, and Rice. Back then, when Jerry and and Bill let me sing demos for them way back in the day, and and then forward, and then. I started doing independent A&R for a couple of labels for Sony and also for Giant Records. And that was, that was great too. Uh, because once again, it was all about songs yeah. and, and that worked great for, for moving on into being, being a publisher. So, um, you know, and, and so you would kind, of, kind of, I kind of made the transition from being an artist and end over into the business side. And my first publishing job, though, to run a company was with a company called Encore Entertainment. And uh, that was with Jim Scott. And I became his partner there. Um, and then about a year and a half after that, Ronnie Gant called me to he said he was retiring and I went to HoriPro Pro after that. So and I was at Horry Pro for like 13 years before Mojo purchased uh, Hori Pro and then with Mo- uh, Mojo for about two years and now starting a new company back with Kaz Hori uh, called Hori Global. you
0: wow. have done it all. I have a question. Most of our okay. followers are aspiring writers, aspiring artists, aspiring industry leaders like yourself. So You've done all of it. You've been a writer. You've been an artist. How do you make a good impression? You said somebody sat you next to Francis Preston at a lunch. How do you make a good impression? You know, I, powerful.
1: I think in a word, um, one thing to try to remember, and I've failed at this as well. Um, so, so I'm the poster child for saying, <laughs> for, for this one, I, I think it's important to remain humble. Um, no matter no matter what you do um there there's a right way to ask somebody a question there's a right way to send somebody a song um you know uh, as a as a young plugger i used to think oh my gosh i'm going to load somebody up with with songs and the one thing i figured out about that it looked like i didn't know what i didn't know what they were looking for sure so i learned to go in and and take a stand on a song or two or some, something you just love and something you just believe. If you want to hear some great songs, find a plugger and ask them to play you the songs they can't believe have ever have never been cut. And you'll hear not, not only will you make a plugger really happy or creative person really happy, but you you'll hear some amazing, amazing songs. Yeah. So if it, but it been in a word, I think to try to answer that, I think, I think remain humble.
0: Um yeah.
1: I yeah, that feels right.
0: That's good advice. I I think we all uh need that reminder every now and then in this industry.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me about your job right now, what you're working on, what does your daily life look like? How many songs are you listening to these days?
1: Well, I, I listen to uh a lot and I've listened to a bunch leading up to this, but um Cas and I've started this new company. We've signed one writer so far. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the process of, of bringing in some catalogs into our new company. Uh, we signed Wade Kirby, who was like one of my oldest friends and great writer. And he's, he's uh, co-producing a project on East Easton Corbin right now. And so it's, it's, it's really exciting time, but, To be honest with you, Megan, I didn't realize how much work it it was going to be. So slow (laughs) sometimes because because all the other times I walked into a company that was already established, that already had a catalog. And then when you're starting from Jump Street and you don't have any a whole lot of songs, um, you know, that that's kind of tough, but it's also exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What are you guys looking for? I know probably every publisher is a little different, but what do you look for in a young songwriter?
1: I, you know, I think I think a hard worker. Yeah. Um, somebody that uh, somebody's not afraid of that, and also somebody that's uh, that that you can give advice to, and they and and and, and giving advice, give it in the proper way. Sure. Um, You know, one of the worst things you can do to to a young songwriter is is I feel like they need a lot of encouragement because it's it's tough out there. As you know, you know, it's really hard. And, uh, um, you know, this town will kick your butt. I used to say it was four or five year town. I'm 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 thinking it's about eight year town now. Uh, And and and, and, you know, you hear all the, the stories of people that that get it really, really fast or, or whatnot. But I think it takes time. And I, I kind of believe you need to be in Nashville. You need you need to be there to kind of get it. Yeah. And at, as a young songwriter, you kind of get in with your group. And that group starts to rise together. Yeah. Um, uh, just like at, at artists also, they, they start to rise together. Like my group, when I started, you know, it was like Travis Trent, Billy Dean, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Joe Diffie, yeah. Um, and all of us were were demo singers, basically you know in 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 the beginning, Joe Diffie was one of the best demo singers. The only problem was if you ever sang a song for you, you it was so intimidating because of his vocal, you might you might have to have me sing it or somebody <laughs> to, to, to to dumb it down a little bit because Joe was so damn good yeah um. Yeah. You know, but but a lot of us that came along then, uh, including Garth, got got signed to deals and the rest rest was kind of history. So those guys all had a little more prominent artist careers than I did. But I'm just I'm just glad I got to 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 be there and be in the running and and to call all all those guys
0: friends. Yeah. What a journey. Oh, my gosh. Okay, And you touched on this just a little bit. This is a little more of a sensitive, uh, sensitive question, you know. I came back and forth for a long time. I know a lot of people come back and forth before they make the move as a mm. publisher. And in a new world of zoom co-writes, do you recommend moving to Nashville to write commercial country music?
1: You know, uh, zoom has made it uh, a, a lot easier and you're right about that. And especially through COVID um, you know, I, I know there were some really fine writers that had to adapt with not being in the room. Yeah. Uh, it It is different. It is. Um, but, you know, I, Megan, I'm probably old school, but I don't think there's any I- exception uh, for there's no replacement for the personal thing, the personal touch, you know, being with somebody uh, on a personal level. Because you write an email and you can't tell the inflection by which it was sent or, or a text. Um, and, and of course, Zoom's happening in real time. But, I, but I'm saying, I, I think the fact when you're sitting over a table with somebody, you're having a glass of wine or a beer, and you're talking about a song and you're picking it apart, I don't think there's any, I, I, I just don't think there's any replacing that. But, it, but, but in, in the age that we live in, with COVID being something that we're having to go through, um, we've learned to adapt uh, uh, to Zoom. And uh, what a great tool to have, you know, to be able to be able to do that because because writing didn't come to a screeching halt when that happened. The process continued on it. And, and, you know, the one thing we found was it was sometimes easier to get artists during during COVID because everybody was off and everybody was home. And so if you wanted to get a co-write, they were dying to do something. Sure. Yeah. So It was actually turned out to be a pretty a pretty positive time.
0: Yeah. The silver lining, as it were. Silver, silver
1: lining. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember when Casey Musgraves was first starting, I watched an interview with her and I was still not living here at the time. And she said, you got to be present to win. And that's when it clicked for me. You know, of course, there are some people that are successful that, that don't live here full time, but you know, you want you want good odds, I would say, you know, to, to make, well, it
1: I, I think, I think you do too. And, and, I don't I don't know if you'd agree with this, because but once you came to town, um, just the feel of Nashville yeah. walking, walking the streets, walking into a bar, any bar on Broadway and hearing the amazing talent. And you start to get a, you start to get a feel of. Of the of the competition. Yeah. And, and then your postman or lady is a songwriter. Right. So, and, 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 you know, everybody, everybody, Hey man, I got to play you this song. Hey, I got to play you this song. Hey, I'm playing this writer's night down here. Would you come see me? And and that, that camaraderie starts to, starts to build and it becomes like a fraternity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's, it's just, it's just so cool. And, and, and I I don't think there's any exception to that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I think everybody thinks they're talented until they get here. And then you got to level up. The level of talent here is tremendous.
1: Yeah. Monkeys think their babies are pretty too, you know, until you get to see what the rest of the team looks like. Exactly. And uh, when, when you get to Nashville, uh, you, really, you really get to see, hey, good is not good enough. Great's, great's great. Right. And and I think I just I just think you you kind of got to be here. Uh, At least you need to be here to start to get your feet under you.
0: Sure. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I literally went to Jiffy Lube a couple hours ago getting my transmission fluid changed or whatever. And the guy is a songwriter and he was telling me stories about working with Joe Diffie. Isn't that crazy? You just never know who you're going to meet.
1: No, no, you really don't. Hey, well, I did a, a I, I went to the Durango Songwriter Expo, uh, Nancy and I did the other day out in Colorado. And I, I recommend anybody um, to to look into that. It's great. They do two of them a year. And uh, they do one in Ventura, which will be at the end of February and another one in October. But I went to and did a critique in there. Mm-hmm. And a guy was in there, Butch Paulson. And I recorded like two of his songs back in the day when I was recording ours. But guess what? He's still there trying to stay current. He's still there riding with young riders. He's still there, you know, encouraging people. And so I don't know. You just, you just keep on going. Um, you do.
0: It's a lifelong journey for most of us. You, yeah, what, else, what else are you going to do? This is what we're meant to what, do.
1: That's right. And, and, you know, art, artists have a little bit of a, you know, there's a, there. Some people say it's a young person's game. Okay, I get that. But but maybe there's a there's a time on being a young artist and, a, and an artist. But being a songwriter, you can be a songwriter for the rest of your life, and and you'll probably never get it right. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, because you're going to continue to write a better song tomorrow than the one you wrote today. And you know, you know, I've talked about this. And I say that a lot to, to writers. But the drill is can you write one better than you wrote today and if you think you've written your very best song quit and get out of the way you know make room for some other guys most songwriters don't believe they've written their greatest song you know they they just think that the, the next one's just around around the turn and um, and sometimes as you know you got to write you got to write today's song and tomorrow's song to get to that one yeah. that's out there Or that new person that you're going to meet that will inspire you in that way that, you know, I know, I know songwriters are probably not very good friends, but they write great songs together. Yeah. They just, it's like a marriage or something. They do something to each other.
0: Some weird chemistry happens with some people.
1: It, it truly does. Truly, truly does.
0: It makes no sense. None of this industry makes any sense, really. (laughs) It's just, we're all just figuring it out as we go.
1: Yeah. Are you wearing pajamas?
0: I am. Yes, sir.
1: I'm wearing pajamas too. I, look at these. Look at these I'm wearing. These are plaid. Check this out.
0: Woo! You are comfy, my friend.
1: Yeah, these are flannel uh, pajamas. And I've got my Titans hat on, got my dog right here, and I've got an old fashioned right here. Uh, wow. I'm starting early today.
0: You are winning the award for the coziest guest we've had so far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, good. I, I'm glad I, I want something today. That's good.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate your enthusiasm and um, we've covered so much already. Is it okay? I got a couple more questions for you.
1: Come on, let's do it.
0: Let's do it. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about sync because I know that um, I don't know how directly related how much you handle sync personally, but you've worked at companies that have had a lot of success in sync. Do you feel like it's a totally different animal than writing commercial country music?
1: Totally. Yeah. Um, in, in some ways, I think sync makes it more difficult. And, And let me explain that. Um, if, if, if you and I and somebody else and somebody else write a song, you know, we got a three or four way song. We can go pitch that song to, you know, Chris Lacey, let's say at Warner, who's just awesome. Great song person. So wonderfully creative, And, and she can go, yeah. And, and, but she didn't have to know it all at that, on that day. You know, they don't have to label copy that day. I love this song. Let me play it for this artist. Might take six months, might take three months, might take a week, who knows, but in sync, if you pitch it to somebody, they want everything to be cleared. Yeah. On that day, they want, they want the master cleared, all the writers all in all the publishers all in because they work on such a short schedule. They want it like yesterday. Yeah. And, and so I think sometimes sync uh, makes it more difficult. But, but if you know that going in, if you know that, that before you really go pitch something to somebody, make sure you have those conversations with everybody and everybody's cool. Because if they say, I want, I want to use that, I want to drop that in uh, in tomorrow night's show, and that has happened with us, wow. um, you better be ready for, for that to happen. Um, and and then, but but sync is, sync's the new mechanical. Uh, mechanical used to be that was sales, and you know what you and I know we have no sales. It's all streaming, and streaming hasn't caught up to what mechanical was back back in the day. Yeah. But to me, sync fills in the gap, and becomes the new mechanical for where we are where we are today. And then the other things is, is to learn about sync, and I know you know a lot about sync, but I continue to go to seminars and listen to what what it's saying because I think it's kind of a moving target too. You find out that they don't necessarily they're not necessarily looking for um, the greatest track in the world sometimes it's it's almost like almost like a really good vocal piano vocal or guitar vocal is really what almost in the style of Americana which is a little more raw um, that really is more or less what they're looking for they're not looking for something so finished and polished in a lot of, in a lot of ways um, and I, I I would have to say I, I learned a lot from Pete Shane at, at Mojo while Pete was there because Pete was doing the licensing there and and me as a guy that has dealt with publishing an artist for so long it like you said it's a completely different animal Mm -hmm. and so um uh so knowing those things going in i think i think it helps uh in the sync department um and and then as you know sometimes they'll hear a track and they'll take the vocal off they just want to use the track
0: it's more about the vibe and the energy than the song itself
1: it's the vibe and the energy Um, And in the case of if they want to use the song, they're looking for key catch words. And a lot of times they'll they'll tell you what those words are, fill in the blank with that. We want to use these kind of this kind of word. Um, So it's it's been a learning process for me, Um, but but also it's kind of exciting as well.
0: It is exciting. It's so hard for these young writers to know where to put their energy. You know, do I chase sync? Do I chase industry people? Do I build up social media? I mean, there's so much to contend with these days. I mean, I guess there always was, but I think the social media and the TikTok stuff is just, it's a lot nowadays. It is. A,
1: it, it is a lot. And you're looking at a guy right here who I've not uh, given into it yet. I'm, I'm known as uh, uh what do, what do they call me? darling, Mr. Uh, um, Mr. Not on, not on Facebook. Um, because, cause I, I, I don't do, I don't do Instagram. Um, I bear my, my, uh, my next door account is the closest thing I come to in, any of that, but see, I don't, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I'm not trying to be an artist and I'm, you uh, know, I'm not trying to get, get views on anything like that, but I know how important that is in today's market for artists. So I'm not, knock, I'm not knocking it or anything.
0: Well, now you're going to get a bunch of stalkers on next door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you, you know, I do have a Facebook page. Nancy just reminded me, uh, but I, you know, I barely ever look at yeah. it. She, she looks at it too. Um, but it's important. It and it wasn't that many years ago, which we're, we'd never even heard of it.
0: That's right. That's right. So, <laughs> well, let's Ow. talk a little bit about your new company and, and what's next for you and what are your goals? What are you working on?
1: Okay, well, you know, what we got to do is get get more songs in the catalog. We want to sign uh, probably a couple, three more writers. Like I said, we've signed Wade. I've had a couple of deals that I thought were going to happen. They didn't happen um, for, you know, for whatever reason. And that that happens in this business. Um, uh, I'm going to you know, I've I've got some songs out there. You've got one of them I'm going to try to come get and uh, see if I can't see if I can't help you get it, get it cut. And uh, and then, um, you know, we're also going to have a uh, hopefully an administration arm so we can help some people that I know. Uh, uh, We're going to purchase some catalogs also uh, that we think we can help with. Um, And and if we do an administration thing with some friends, you know, we'll have a creative side of that. That'll really help us uh, get up to speed as far as songs go. So if you get somebody brings in a catalog and we can. You know, we can get go get something exploited or get something cut. Then we can all participate, all make money. You know, that's the thing. Um, you know, I, there, it's there. There's so many parts to our business that that, as long as nobody's greedy, there, there's always a way to make something happen. Okay. Um, there's always some way to help one another and share in something, um, and there's no one way to do it. Uh, if you want to do a deal with somebody there's 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 unlimited amounts of way you ways you can do you can do a deal and every writer's different every every uh, agreement's different and that's been really awesome to have some people in my life uh, I mentioned Wesley Rose Bob Beckham was another one that brought me along and he should be in the hall of fame no doubt he was one of the one of the greatest publishers signed so many awesome writers back, back in the day, uh, Ronnie Gant, John Doris, people like, like that who really taught me as I came along and probably if, if you would allow me the, the single person that made the biggest impact in my life was a guy that, that maybe some of the, all of us in the business know, but he, he didn't he didn't have the, the kudos that Bob Beckham or, or Wesley Rose have, but it was a guy named Dave Hall. And I learned more from Dave Hall than any person that I've ever, ever known in my entire life. I'll tell anybody that listens. Um, he just, he he was, he was just great. And uh, I wouldn't take anything for one day I ever had with him.
0: Wow. That, that's so special. You know, I that's my favorite part of doing these interviews is finding out who shaped you, you know, because mm. you... Yeah. Do you know how many people you've shaped, Butch? I can't imagine how many people you've been shaping. How, how does that make you feel when you think about that?
1: You know, Megan, if I helped one person uh, or just said something that resonated with one person, then 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 that was great. Because all of us stand on the shoulders of somebody else. I mean, no, no doubt. Um, and, you know, when I made the transition over, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't know, you know, and so I, I, would have to call somebody. I, I called Tim Dwyer on a given day. Hey, Tim, you know, Tim was, was a monster. He's huge. And what do I do here? Call Jim Ed, call, Mm -hmm. call, call Beckham, call Ronnie Gant, call, uh, you know, any number of people, um, and ask their opinion. What, what do I do now? Um, but the guy, like I say, the guy that was there was, was Dave Hall and we did so many deals together. To I mean, he was there, we did the Dean Dillon deal that brought Dean to, to Horry pro. Um, and, 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 you know, I just, and, and not only that, but other publishers as well, like Troy Tomlinson, you know, Troy's a, is huge in our business. He's running universal. Now he ran, you know, for, for years and years ran, ran uh, Sony and tree, uh, you know, and Rusty Gaston, we're all friends. We're all, we're all buds. And, and you just go out there and talk to each other. And, you know, I, I mean, I think everybody puts their pants on like I do backwards every morning. <laughs> and so, and so you just, you, you know, once again, though, in all of that, how you handle it is humbly. And, and if you want to know, um, um, there, there are three words that I will tell somebody that it that If you want to disarm somebody, you say, um, uh, I, I, actually, it's four words. I need your help. If you want to, if you want to disarm somebody, ask them for their help. Um, and 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 it's one of the most disarming statements I've ever I know about.
0: Well, everything I would take away from that is is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and, and call somebody when you're figuring it out.
1: Absolutely. Absol- absolutely. But listen to what they say. And sometimes people have hard things to say, sure. um, about, about whatever the, the subject is. And, uh, you know, it's like a, a, opinions and, and you, everybody's got one and you listen, you listen to it, take from it, what resonates with you mm-hmm. and what you, what you can take from it and incorporate it into your life and move on. Okay. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, but I, I, I could sit here all afternoon with you and tell you the people, um, and and start naming names that that helped me, and not just publishers, not just record people, other songwriters, yeah, absolutely, other songwriters too that that were encouraging, you know, like on on those days, and they just looked at me and said, "Hey, come on, man, you can do you can do this, you know, we can do this together," and as you know, that means a lot. Yeah
0: yeah of course okay i could i could sit here and talk with you all day um it's flying by two more quick questions real quick okay uh um, right. is there anything you know artist songwriter a r publisher is there one thing you wish you would have learned sooner
1: hmm. uh i wish i'd gotten to be humble sooner uh maybe <laughs> maybe uh you know uh as an artist, I, pro- I probably was a little headstrong back in, in, my, in my day. I think you've got to have confidence, but I think, but um, I don't, I don't know uh, about that. Um, I, I think that that's a really, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but I've kind of come to the sync party a little bit late. Um, just because it, it, it wasn't primary when I came along, Mm -hmm. but, but I think learning about sync and learning more about sync has, has been really important, um, in, in, in my life. Um, uh, I think that's something that Mojo did really well. And so with my time with them, I, I really got to learn a lot about that. Wow.
0: I love it. Okay. And one more question. It's been a really rough couple of years for everybody, but especially people in the music industry. I personally have seen a lot of friends go home, you know, and if that's what you need to do, of course, that's what you should do. But what would you maybe say to somebody who's been at it for a while and, and they're thinking about throwing in the towel?
1: Don't give it. Well, you know, uh, Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Take a take a really deep breath and 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 know that your life can change tomorrow. Yeah. Um you know uh in your despair, you might pour those feelings out in a song on a piece of paper and a guitar with three chords in the truth, and it and it would be and it'll change your life and some, somebody else's. Um, You know, I've, I've heard, I've heard people say, you know, that they they put a time limit on how long they were going to stay in Nashville or how long they were going to give it, you know, to do that. And then I've heard, I've heard people that left town. Uh, You know, I think Garth tells the story about leaving, leaving Nashville and then, and then coming back. Um, uh, Brett James left town and, and, Brilliant songwriter, brilliant artist, great singer, great guy, and came back. And um, so, so you can, you know, it's kind of like home. You can, you can, you can always come home. Most, most of the time, uh, you can come home. And, uh, uh, but this this past couple of years has been really difficult, like you said, on a, on a whole lot of people. And we've lost some great friends. I mean, in the last two weeks, I lost. Ralph Emery, Dallas Frazier, uh, Jerry Crutchfield, and my really, really, really close friend Drew Alexander, who ran Curb for years and years and years. And you know, I've got memories with him. We we took riding retreats to Canada and, and Blackberry Farms and all around. That I wouldn't take anything in the, this world for those memories. And um, th- those are guys that like him that that you could just depend on. And uh I can't replace Drew Alexander. There's there's no way I can replace him in my in my life, but I but then I think I'm I'm blessed to have known him. Yeah. Um and and you know, I was going through tough times or Drew was going through tough times. I knew he had my back. And and that is so valuable. Um so uh, I think we're coming out of this of this uh fog that we've been in, I hope. Uh, I'm, 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 people are out touring again. People are riding in person again. Wow. And, uh, um, we're, we're going to get back to living. It may be different than it was a little bit, but you know, uh, Hey, after nine eleven, things changed then. And we had to learn how to adapt from, from that point at, at nine at 11. So, you know, uh, COVID just another stepping stone. And, um, And we're going to be fine. We are going to be fine all the way through all of this.
0: Well, I know I'm finding comfort in everything you're saying, so I know other people will too. I can't thank you enough for taking the time. I love talking to you so much, Butch. You've still got this light and energy about you for music after all these years, and it's inspiring. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I love you, and, and I love hanging and talking to you. You're so talented. Um, uh, you know, you're so awesome. And, um, uh, I was blessed to know your dad. I'm blessed to know you. And, uh, um, you know, uh, God's got us all. He's going to take care of every one of us. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll always believe that. And, um, uh, so I, uh, I say, I say a prayer in the morning. I say one at night and there's not much bad can hurt me in between when I book in my life like that.
0: Oh, there's a song in there, my friend. I love that.
1: Go for it. It's all yours.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. And we'll catch up with you again next year or something. And we'll see what's going on.
1: Okay. Love you, buddy. Thanks for the talk.
0: Thank you so much, Butch. We'll see you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.